Who did watch the live Wednesday? We unpacked um, some serious stuff. Um, what I love about the pandemic, y'all, that it gives a chance to raise some critical conversations and say some very hard things. Um, because the reason of it is that if people is trying to go back to the norm of something, and the truth of the matter is we don't know what's normal no more. We have no clue. <laughs> we don't have a clue what's actually normal anymore. And the crisis is, is the church is trying to go back into what's normal. And as a people who realized that what we were doing was actually not normal. <laughs> Concerning um, kingdom economics, most importantly, what we're going to do tonight is unpack a paradigm. Um, I believe it's something that will lay a premise to the foundations for you and I and for the generations to come. Um, what we revealed Wednesday night is that mess is okay. The messiness of your life, the messiness of building a business, the messiness of building something, of creating something is okay. Messiness is actually a sign of growth. And what happened in us, we have hid ourselves around perfection in the church so long. And so anytime we step out into something that's messy, we automatically shun it and demonize it. But nothing grows in a clean place. Nothing grows on sand. It all got, it got to be in the mess. It got to find itself amongst disease and plagues and poisons and, and traps and snares in order to pull out the growth of it. And so we, we unpack that literally. And I, when I tell y'all, I don't know about y'all, but I had got so many calls and texts and so like you tapped into something like, nah, it's not me, fam. Um, it's the Holy Ghost. Because what I believe that God is doing is that he's dropping um, in, the, in the body of Christ now a brand new revelation unto the mysteries of the kingdom. I believe that what we know as the kingdom is only 10% of the actual kingdom. And what happened is we have preached that so long until we believe that that's the only portion of the kingdom. But we we haven't tapped into, don't get me started yet, but we haven't tapped into the whole of what the gospel actually is. Tonight, what we're going to do is I'm going to prove to you prophetically and through scripture and biblically that your finances, your bank account is actually the gospel. It's actually the gospel. Uh, now, before we get into this, let me say, um, we got the scripture up, Isaiah 61. Let me say, I'm an expiring theologian. I'm really expiring. I say that humbly and with great humility. Um, I love to philosophize. I love to think. I love to, to dig and, and, and find the mysteries of the scripture. And what I have come to realize is that a lot of things that um, we know as mysteries is really not mysteries. It's stuff that has been said but not proven. The way you unpack a mystery is by proving its truth. And um, what happens in our economics, you know, we have we'll hit so long um, behind the realm of rolling on floors and mopping and we're anointing handkerchiefs and, and, and taking the dollars and putting the holy water on it and even drinking the holy water. And um, we, we did all of that concerning our money. But when it comes to kingdom economics, it's not about emotions, emotional things. It's about responsibility. It's something that you obtain and it's something that you do when you don't feel like it. It's something that um, you, you, you steward when you want to do something else, when your flesh wants to do something different. Um, who, who all loves Amazon? I can't tell you how many morning, how many nights and mornings I wake up and just grow Amazon. Like, what do I need? And truth of the matter is I don't need a thing. And it's just a habit. 
But what happens is we realize that kingdom economics is not something that we just shout and raise an offering about. You know, we have turned economics into sow a seed for a prophecy. We have turned it into come and get your holy water and, and sprinkle it on your house and on your debit cards and in two weeks you're going to have a supernatural of $2,000 in it. And it's all witchcraft. Um, it's all passive progressive and it's all deception. And, but it, it, for some, the, the, the deception of it, it makes them money. So they count it as economics. But the truth of the matter is that's not economics. That's abusing heaven's economy. It's called abusing Heaven economy. Before there was ever the economy of the world, before there was ever a U.S. Treasury, before there was ever a World Bank, there was what you known as the economy of heaven. I can prove it. When Jesus and Peter were going to the synagogue, one of the, they, they, they encountered a tax collector, and a tax collector asked Peter, "Do your rabbi, do your teacher pay taxes?" And Peter looked at him and said, "Absolutely, the man pays taxes. He has money." And Jesus looks at Peter and says, but should the son of a king have to be subject to temple tax? Should I have to be subject um, to, to the regular of, of what we know as y'all economy? He said, but nevertheless, I'll tell you what you do, Peter. Since you put yourself in this position, go and take your fishing pole. Go to the lake. Throw it in there. And the first fish you catch, pull it up. There's going to be two coins in there. Pay your tax and pay mine. What he was trying to teach Peter is I don't live by, by the world's economy. I live by heaven's economy. And what happens is we take a trade and we and because we don't have the knowance or the wisdom um, to move around and move about and deal in the marketplace, what we do is we shun heaven's economy and we go and we have fear and trepidation unto the world in the marketplace because the simple fact is we feel as though that they know more and understand more than us. But the problem is we have something inside of us that's been from the beginning. The only difference between them and us is that they had enough, had enough ignorance and had enough boldness to pursue something that we should have been done. I'll give you an example. You, you know, in this pandemic, they had a whole bunch of preachers talking about, you know, I hate um, Facebook preachers and I, I hate Internet church and, and all you Facebook prophets and Instagram prophets, y'all going to hell. Well, count, a, a pandemic comes, shut you down, and now you on Facebook. You see the hypocrite of what we do? The only reason why you're demonized is because you have yet to perceive something that somebody else used another technology to advance and grow and gain on and present the gospel in a different way. Anyway, so tonight in this, um, I won't be before you long, I promise. Um, we're going to be talking about struggle theology. Write that down, struggle theology. Now, this is not something you can Google. Um, this ain't something that I had written a book on. Um, this is something that the Lord dealt with me about in my own life. And um, one thing I love about this is that everything that I teach uh, concerning economics is something that I walked in and I have lived. Um, so I ain't pulling something out of the sky trying to be cute before you. Um, this is something that's been tried and tested. Amen. Amen. Let us read. Isaiah 61, I'll give you verse 1 through 7. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be freed, released, and prisoners will be freed. Go. 
Okay, that won't be too. And he has sent me to tell those who are mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all, listen, who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Joy is blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In the righteousness, there will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild ancient ruins. Uh oh. They will repair cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them. Though they have been deserted for, listen, many generations. Ooh. Foreigners, my God, foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks. They will plow your fields and tend your vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of God. You will feed on treasures of the nations, my God, and boast not, listen, not in our riches, but in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of, listen, prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Father, help us to teach this and help me to not holler in Jesus' name. Um, one thing that, that I love about the prophets I'm going to sit down here so I won't. Y'all strap me in this bench. Okay. Uh, let me come here. I'm going to get away from my notes so I don't. Um, one of the things that I love about the prophets of old is that they saw um, something far away for many years. Um, this is Isaiah 61, and he is literally um, the first mention of him prophesying about the Messiah, prophesying about Christ. This is the very first template, the very first foundation of what we would know today as the gospel. It was literally Isaiah prophesying it um, in this chapter, but the, the setting that Isaiah is sitting in, he is, he is prophesying after Israel has literally went captive um, unto another nation, and he's sitting amongst ruins. He's sitting amongst destruction. Um, if I can paint a picture for you, if you ever watched the book of Eli, um, with, with Denzel Washington. That's the way Israel looked. And he's prophesying to them um, about the coming Messiah and what he's come to do and what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And he's sitting in amongst rubbish of a people who no longer believe because they're no longer in the norm of where they are and what they grew up around and what they ever walked into and what they discovered. Everything that they know as themselves is almost like a hurricane constrainer. It was stripped away from us without asking. It was stripped away from us um, with without a, a minute or a chance to grab the valuable things that we wanted. So he's sitting amongst the people prophesying about something that's supposed to happen 2,000 years. And the problem is they are sitting in there looking at him like, where's that person that you're talking about now? And what happened is he's prophesying to them about what he's going to do for them, what Jesus comes to do. And we forget the, 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 the I believe it's verse four, where it shifts from in verse one, he said he and what he's going to do. But verse four says, then he's going to do this for you and you're going to do this for him. And what happened is he says in the beginning that he is going to heal our broken hearts. He's going to give us beautiful ashes. But the problem is in the church, we're stopped there. 
And the gospel is twofold. Listen, it ain't about what he delivered you from. It's about what he's delivering you into. And if you come out with no premise to where you're going, you're going back into bondage. So we see a play of a play of a balance, of an imbalance, of an unjust, of an undeceptive thing um, that's parallel now. Because there's a people who believe God, but they don't believe him enough to now turn around and receive the thing he has done for them and go and do the thing that he is asking us to do for him. So he's prophesying to them about what Christ is going to do. And then now he's telling them after verse 4, after he's do this for you, you're going to do this for him. The struggle is we have stopped in the church becoming a people who constantly go through seasons where we are trading beauty for ashes and, and we go through seasons where our heart is shattered and then it's repaired and then we recycle ourselves amongst perils and despair and, and lies and trials and gossips and hurts and letdowns and failures. But the truth of the matter is the man did not die for us to constantly recycle ourselves in pain. He died that we can have dominion. It had nothing to do with a long skirt. It had nothing to do with coming out of the club. It had nothing to to do with you cussing. It had everything to do with you occupying something that he left a void for you to fill. All right. I'm teaching. I'm sitting back down. Sorry. He tells them Christ is going to come and he's going to redeem you. But after he do this, you have a charge now. You got to go and occupy and you got to have dominion to prove that what he actually did for you worked. So what happens is, we take upon this, this role of, uh, of holiness and, and, and salvation and, and these things that we know as, as the salvation and the promises of God. And this verse 4 part, where he called us to possess and have dominion and rebuild and revive, we shun it because we hide ourselves around the comfortability of him rescuing us out of despair that we're afraid to go back to. So it's a struggle to believe not what he did, but now I have to believe what he's done for me to go and do what he wants me to do for him. The struggle is not in my flesh with a behavior modification and hanging around people who no longer drink and hanging around people who no longer smoke, but it's actually me being around those people and actually being a light to what he has done. So me and you being in the church together, not drinking, not cussing, and not smoking, ain't doing the world no good. He didn't tell them he was going to rebuild the church. He told them he was going to rebuild the inhabitants of the land. So it's a twofold of a gospel. It's more than you putting on a long dress and long skirt. And it's amazing how we have traded salvation and we have brought salvation down to poverty. We, we, we built whole songs around it in mantras. Y'all know it. Um, I, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Do you really have Jesus if you're shunning it? You mean to tell me he died so I can have him, but he died that I can be broke as well? I'm proving to you the gospel is your bank account. 
I, I know what you're about to say. So he tells him, let's unpack this one. Paul goes to a temple. There's a man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And he's asking for money. Paul said, listen, I ain't got no money, bro. But what I can do is help you. I see that you have a need that's greater than money. And he said, if I can deal with the need, you can go and get your own money. It wasn't the fact that what, what Paul didn't have. It was the fact that he was enabling the man to go out and, and, and revive and restore his own inheritance. So how in the world did we shun economics and we pulled away and said and hid ourselves amongst the struggle on the basis of living in an oasis of comfortability because I'm not what I want to be anymore. Uh, it got quiet, I knew it. Uh, anyway. So he, he's telling him, Isaiah's prophesying and saying, Little, listen, Jesus ain't just coming for your press off. He ain't coming for your harp and bow. The man ain't coming for your 40-day fast. He ain't coming for your makeup. Women, he ain't coming for your pants in church. Women, he ain't coming for your apostleship. For your shepherding. But his witness was, I'm going to prosper you. How do we trade soulish prospering for spiritual prospering? The man said, as much as your soul prosper, your soul get to prosper too. The gospel don't stop at the spirit. It starts in as an expert as an outward expression of your soul. What you believe comes out of you. So he's prophesying this, y'all. This is the gospel. Good evening. This is the gospel, Quinina. And he's telling them, the man come to do more than save you. But after he saved you, he's trying to send you into something. But the struggle for us is not the salvation. The struggle is where we're going. For us, we thought salvation was showing up every Sunday. We said it Wednesday, we thought salvation was fish plates. We have took the cross and we have made it a thing of emotionalism. But the cross don't care nothing about your feelings. It died for it. What he cares about is how much of you are you going to deny yourself of? And how much of your cross are you going to pick up? And how much of you are you going to follow concerning your finances? You didn't accept a call as a prophet, but you didn't demonize your business ideas. You, you prophesied twice, 
brought oppression all the way on a 40 day and now you're a prophet to the nations. And God been giving you an internet website business for 10 years. And you have shunned it because you have encountered that as the gospel. I believe we'll draw more people try if we was actually a witness of the gospel on paper. If our, if our credit scores reflect our salvation. And that's a hard one. We're more convicted about who we rolled our eyes at and God is ministering to us and our prayer times about our stink attitudes but we don't have enough belief in us to hear them about our credit score. I'm about to go home, y'all. I'm telling you this because for me, that's what the Lord had to do. i never forget. Y'all was in college. I was so broke, I went and got a credit card and maxed it out. I needed a phone. I went to Sprint. They gave me a phone for free and gave me a monthly plan. I had no money to pay the bill. Bill was like $200 and it came up. Y'all, I took that credit card. I put Earl on it. I went in my room. I put on my prayer music. I even sat at my keyboard. And I lifted that thing up. And I said, God, you the God of my salvation. And whom shall I fear? Ain't nothing that should separate me from you. And if I need the simplicity of $200 to pay this bill on this card that ain't there, you're going to do it. And when I tell you, when I, when I, when I bill ran, that, 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 that phone was off the next day. You know what it taught me? Can I, can I tell y'all laughing, but this is serious. Janae, you know what it taught me? The gospel is more than my supernatural ability to move God. But it's actually a responsibility to walk in the integrity of the gospel as well. Can, it wasn't a supernatural problem. It was an integrity problem. And had he would have supernaturally played the bill out and never learned integrity. shut-ins about come Lord Jesus show up Lord fog and smoke and, and, and growls and yaw and, and diverse tongues and he ain't ministering to none of us about how we lied on our taxes Wait, what, what gospel do we actually believe I just proved to you in verse 4. In verse 1, he said he. And verse 4 is they. The gospel wasn't just for him to do it. It was for us to also fulfill it. Yeah, he tells the disciples. Before Jesus left there, he tells the disciples. He says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. He says, I have much more to say. I have much more I want to do. But the oracles 
And the mysteries that I'm trying to unpack to you, you're not getting them yet. He's telling them stuff like, you know, I, I must go. And that the harvest is right, but the labors are few. And they're like, what is he talking about? We don't understand. Ain't you right here on side of us? And he's telling them, greater works y'all going to do than me. What else possibly we can do that you haven't done? You've healed the sick. You've supernaturally pulled coins out of fish mouth. You didn't raise the dead. What else more is that to do? He tells them, he says, listen, you, 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 you're not getting this. If I stay with you, you'll always be in this mindset. I focus on what I'm doing in my own visual self. The cross was his assignment. The cross was his assignment. Our assignment was after he did it to pick it up and follow. And it's more than just an outward change. But it's also an integral change. A change of how I pursue my money. How I steward my household. How I pay my bills. We've been leaving God for increase with late payments. I'm paying half the minimum due. I made a vow to God after that card bounced and that phone went off. I said, Lord, this ain't your problem. You, you ain't caused this. I did. The reason why is because that's a part of the gospel that I've struggled with. We say yes to when he wanted to heal a broken heart, but we don't say yes when he asks us to start and launch something in the marketplace for him. Because everybody around us, they got tattoos and, 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 and they, they cuss and they drink and they smoke. You mean to tell me we have shunned the gospel away from the world in the marketplace because they don't look like us? We have shunned economics and turned it over and demonized it because it's not something that we feel normal and comfortable in because we spend too much time in prayer. The intent of the gospel was never to be hid, baby. The intent of salvation was for never for you to just sit and wait for him. I, I remember I used to serve a man of God. He used to, all he used to say was, I'm just waiting on Jesus to come. I'm getting out of here. I'm waiting on Jesus. And we ain't never building nothing. We never conquering nothing. We never hearing God for anything because the whole basis of his purpose of life was waiting on him to come because he was tired of the world. Kingdom economics is the gospel. Salvation was the entry point of it. After you said yes, there was a thing to fulfill. It was more than the ordination. It was more than you as a pastor and a prophet. But it was also you as a COO, a CFO, a supervisor, a boss. An entrepreneur. All of that is also a witness of the gospel. So he tells them, he says, listen, I'm going to leave. And when I leave, I'm going to come again. But this time, I'm not going to walk on side of you. 
I'm going to move through you. Because in order for you to understand this part of the gospel that you're missing, I got to cause you to think like I think. I got to cause you to perceive the way I perceive. I got to allow my thoughts to become yours. I got to allow my reason and my vision and my understanding to become yours. Because if I keep walking on inside of you and I keep holding your hand, you will never get the vision and have the boldness enough to pursue the things I've spoken over you. How many of us right now are sitting on prophecies from 10 years ago? The minute something came up, the minute hardship came, the minute the bank told you no, the minute the loan officer said no, you pushed it to the side. You shunned it. Some of us, we're delayed in home ownership. Because we refuse to fix credit. We got cable bills on our credit from, from six years ago for $200. It ain't a salvation issue. It's an integrity issue. I know this is tough, y'all, but this ain't talked about. What if in the church we had financial classes every week and made it mandatory for everybody to come? What, what if we brought loan officers in the church and begin to teach you about FHA 203Ks and, and begin to teach you how to, how to maneuver around putting down so much money on, on houses and ownership and stuff that you choose and, 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 and want to buy? What if we start bringing in peer credit repairs and, and, and what if we start bringing in people who, who dealt in life insurance? How many of us have a life insurance policy? I know this is hard, but this is the gospel. I know this is tough because it's the stuff we don't shout over. I know this is tough because it's the stuff we don't sow on. I know this is tough because you can't stand in the line getting the prophecy concerning this. This takes a mindset change. It's a struggle to believe the prosperity part of Jesus. The prosperity part of heaven. The economical system of heaven. Because the world has told us different. And we have compromised into what they have told us. But the last time I checked, the man told me I had the opportunity to rebuild something that was ancient. This stuff ain't just started. I may be the first one to do it in my family. I may be the first one to pursue it. I may even be the first one to think it and perceive it. But the things I'm pursuing and the things that I desire is ancient. They've been around. The provision of what's to come been around. The resources been around. The conversations, the necessary chairs, the necessary tables. The invitations, the relationships, they've been there. But have I shunned this part of the gospel? Have I compromised this part of salvation? Do I struggle with it? Have I told myself that I'm anointed and I don't need no money because God has, God has sent a stranger to my door 
and so a thousand dollars. And the fact that he has to send us, um, Lord, the fact that he has to send the stranger is already a problem. Because what it means is I haven't allowed myself to obtain a strategy and a perspective from him to build something financially, economically that he can get glory out of. Y'all, my car got stolen in November. And people been giving me the money for their car. I told myself, I said, I ain't buying a car right now because I am too hurt and too upset about my car being stolen. I barely had it 60 good days. I ain't even have it two months. And I found it stripped. And them people paid me off for that car long ago. And I'm riding in my car today. And I was making up on my mind. I'm like, I ain't buying another car. I'd rather go buy another house. I ain't getting another car. Forget this. Uh-uh. The Lord told me, who actually gets the glory out of that? Who gets the glory out of you riding out of your college car? Who gets the glory? If I've given you opportunity and resources to advance and to grow and to prosper, you choose to compromise because of what you feel like the devil stole. So now my mindset is because he stole my car and hell stole it, hell got to purchase me another one. And the one I had tried, I don't want the same one no more. I want a better one. I, I, I want one a year, a, a, a year less younger. I, I want one with less miles. I want one a little bit more immaculate than the one I had. Because I ain't proven to the, I ain't proven to myself that I had the ability to do it. I'm proven to hell that I'm. He has, he has called me. He has established me to prosper. And the fact that I have to, I, people have to look at us, and and we shun prosperity on a basis of being demonized is a joke. You mean to tell me the weed man can ride nice? And not you? All of your harp and bowl and intercession? You don't get the spirits the bare minimum finer things of life? Because it detaches you somehow from God? The last time I checked, the earth was his. And the fullness thereof. So that lets me know whatever I'm demonizing, it ain't for the world, it's still his. So if somebody come to me and they want to sell a nightclub, yes, I want to buy. You got it for a good price? That building don't belong to the club, it belongs to God. That building don't belong to the club, it belongs to a kingdom assignment. But it's a struggle to believe these things, y'all. Because we are named and claimed it for so long until we don't believe it. We stopped believing it long ago. The past generations came out of so much struggle, they sung songs around it. Soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. I shall wear a crown. I'm going to put on my robe and tell a story of how I made it over. Why not make it over now? What about now? So the whole struggle of the gospel, y'all, it's not what he brought us from, but it's where he's bringing us to. 
It's a belief system. It's a mindset. That when he died, he didn't just die for you to come out of club, but he died to change your mindset to how you view the world. And if you don't view it right, and if you don't perceive it through the lens of the gospel, you will never be able to see prosperity. Because prosperity was never for the world. It was always for us. I'm proving to you the man died for your bank account. He died for your credit score. He died for the business that you have trepidation with. He died for the witty ideas that you refuse to tell people and put on paper because you think they're so out of the ordinary. Don't you know your greatest wealth is the thing that's needed inside of you? Wherever there is a need inside of you, that's your greatest wealth. But we have been in the church, we have shut our knees. Oh, no. You, you know how to draw. Uh, you, you know how to, you, you, know, you, you know how to do this. And you know how to do that in the marketplace. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no. Just serve God. Come to church on Sundays. Put on a hat and, and get the communion table out. And, and that's purpose. That we have took wittiness and demonized it. But I'm proving to you the thing that's unique about you is the thing that's needed in the earth. And when you demonize your uniqueness, the only thing left you are with is a struggle. A struggle to believe in prosperity. A struggle to walk in it. A struggle to obtain it. A struggle to have it or had it. And what happens is you'll build an oasis and a mindset around why you can't have it and why you can't achieve it. Because the world can have it and the world got it and they're going to hell with it. And the truth of the matter is, it ain't the stuff that's bringing people to hell. It's their mindsets and what they're doing with the stuff that's bringing them to hell. Money ain't evil. It's the people's intent toward it that's evil. You shunning customers that are homosexuals for the basis of what you believe in your salvation? Whose salvation it really is? Is it yours or is it his? Because the last time I thought, he said all. It wasn't just your mom and your dad and your aunties and your uncles and your nephews. It was all of them. The gospel, what God is doing is revealing that there's a, that, that there's a realm and a dimension of the kingdom that we have yet to, de- to, to walk in the dominion of. Apostle, that we have yet to reach a mastery in. We perfected this. We can do this all day. Good. Perfect. We're good at this. And we built the idol around this because we struggle with the perception of what's out there. So when it comes to our money and our businesses, we get handkerchiefs and, and, and first fruit offering envelopes and wave them in the air and jump around. And every year is our year. 
I think we said, I think we said Wednesday is the 99 and the 2000. It's been our year. But when does it become God year? When he's going to be able to move through you economically? I made a decision in my life when my phone was turned off the next morning. I said, I've got to get wisdom. I don't know enough. I don't understand enough. I don't perceive enough. And if I don't, I found myself repeating cycle. Tax season coming around, I'm rich. April hit, I ain't got no money. Buy lemons every year. By December, they ran in the ground, got to get another one. And then don't talk about when it comes to talking about trials and tribulations and you know, how we talk about how God touches our money to teach us a lesson. But God has to touch your money to teach you a lesson. How do you build generational wealth? For people who tell me, you know, God, God will make you go broke to show you his glory. They will rebuild ancient ruins. Repairing cities destroyed long ago. Revive. Obviously, it takes some type of economical status to do that for decades to come. So if he had to deal with me about making me broke through seasons and going through seasons of broken rich and broken rich, how do we ever grow and prosper? It's a long-term thing. I know this is hard, y'all, but I got to teach it. I know this is hard for us to perceive. Because some of us right now, we haven't looked at our credit score in two or three years. Haven't thought about it. Haven't even gave it a whiff. When I brought my first house, they tell you that you need 20%. I never forget it. I brought my house from a 90-year-old Caucasian woman who was full of, she was wealthy. I mean, had over 300 properties in the city alone. She told me, she said, baby, I won't give you this house. She said, I tell you what, you bring me $100,000, you go get approved for it. I said, ma'am, I said, I ain't got no loan, I don't know how to do that. She took a piece of paper out, wrote a loan officer name down in his number. She said, call him in the morning and tell him I sent you. Y'all, I called the man. The man told me stuff I need. I had no, I had nothing. I, I didn't know. This man asked me for bank statements. I'm like, how you pull that down? Where, where you get that from? A bank statement. I, I, you, you mean my credit card? I can kind of show you through my app or how I spend on it. I don't know how to get a bank statement. What's that? So he wound up walking me through all of this. And this is a very mean man. He was an old man. He was mean. And he was very impatient. But I endured it. Because of the process of that, he was teaching me something. And we got close to where I was approved for the money. But I needed 20% down. Now, I didn't know this. If a person agrees to gift the house to you, they can write off the 20%. It's a signature on the paper. I met up with the loan officer. 
I went and got the paper. I brought it to the Caucasian lady. She said, baby, this is called money from heaven. What do you mean? She said, if I gift this house to you, it's like the money is there, but it's really not. I said, so you mean to tell me I ain't got to figure out how to pour $20,000 out of my hair? She said, no. Mm -mm. Then, after that, we go to closing. She calls me the next day. She says, come to my office and come see me. I go see her. She said, listen, I know you're a smart young man. So I know, I, I know you know how to do stuff. I know you know how to build. She said, that's a nice house that, that never reached its potential. Take these $10,000. Take this $10,000. Go and put it in the house. Make it like you want. i never forget. Me and my wife were still dating. I, I came out of that clothes and that woman gave me that money. I called my wife. I said, you got 90 days to find a wedding dress and a venue. And she said, listen. She said, uh, what do you mean? I said, my mama raised me and told me that you never marry a woman until you have a place to put her. I said, I got a place for you. I said, and so much so, won't you go up in there and go find you some floors you like? Go find you some paint. Even go pick out your appliances. It's all going to be brand new. What I'm telling you is, because I, talk, because I, I yielded to wisdom, and I didn't roll on the floor, I got up and studied. I didn't do backflips. And I ain't going in my prayer room and turn on my keyboard and go in G flag, turn up the strings. Try, I picked up my phone. I picked up a book and I asked questions because you have not if you. All I was asking for was a house. I didn't know it was going to be renovated, too. I had no idea that I wasn't going to have to come up with $20,000. I was broke. I think I had like $2,000 when I bought my house. I had no money. I renovate the house. I get the house appraised. The house appraised for $220,000. Then a man comes to me and says, hey, man, you know you can buy another house off this house? I say, huh? How do you do that? Dude puts his, pulls out his phone. He says, I'm going to send you a number. Tell a guy at a bank. Give him a call in the morning and tell him about your house. Call him. I say, yeah, man. I can show you how to do this. I had an issue. I had to fix something on my credit before. It took me three months. I woke up every day, checking that credit score, checking that credit report. I said, when this thing hit the number, it hits. God be my witness. I ain't no longer going to be broke. Y'all, credit score finally came around. Cornino, the man approved me. I never forget. I ain't tell nobody. I just went and start looking for other houses. 
They was like, what you doing? About to buy another house? How? You got a house? I said, no, I'm about to buy another one. About to buy a couple of more of them, too. I'm going to have a whole bunch of them in a while. See, because it happens when you tap into the fullness of gospel and what he actually did for you. You start seeing not for today, but actually for tomorrow. And you start seeing for your grandchildren and your grandsons. And you start seeing for your daughters and you start seeing wealth generated in different places. Because when you get wisdom, you start seeing a friend, you start seeing the future differently. I started dressing different. I started, I started talking. That's, I can't be around here with these ghetto words no more. I, I need to grow. Because if I'm going to sit at tables with millionaires and I'm going to sit and have favor, I have got to be able to present myself with the gospel as something that I ain't just hit by my basis of my emotions. I actually know something. I actually have a product and a service that you need. So I started learning. I got me a Webster dictionary. I started learning different words, try. I started. I started doing all kind of crazy stuff. And, I, and, and, and God favored me. Good crazy stuff. There you go. I started. God favored me. Y'all, I, st- I, I started meeting millionaires. Had a man called me last week. Multi-millionaire. He said, man, he ain't saved, y'all, by the way. Y'all will get that on the way home. Because you got to be anointed for God to speak through you. But anyway, uh, he, he called me. He said, hey, man, I don't know if you know this. He said, but you're going to be a millionaire one day. I said, huh? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to tell you what's the difference between me and you. He said, you got an advantage over me. I said, what's the advantage? He said, you're wise. He said, what you know? At your age, I didn't know he said, and it cost me. He said, but because you chose to get wisdom. He said, that's why every time you pick up the phone, I answer. I don't care what time it is. Because how you find favor is having a hunger for wisdom. You want favor, hunger for something. When you start searching out wisdom, wisdom starts searching you out. Favor starts searching you out. You ain't even got to go try to find it. It start coming to you. Met a man in the store, tried, just started talking to him. It's like, what do you do? He said, man, I'm a real estate investor. He says, I want 100 Airbnbs. So how do you do that? He gave me his card. He said, call me sometime. Favor. Now, the next part of access is what you do with it. And what I'm telling you is the gospel has given us the ability to do this. Ain't no way in the world I could have gotten into this place and doing this in my own strength, Cornina. I struggled with this. I was ignorant. I didn't know nothing. But the thing that hungered inside of me was a yearning for wisdom. So now I'm an advocate. And my mantra is, If I study it, I can have it. You can study. If you you study it, you can obtain it. Your job is wisdom. 
God's job is the supernatural. You don't need to open the door. He'll do it. But you have to have something to know and say when you get there. Kingdom economics. It's a byproduct of the gospel. Jesus died for it too. And I think what the Lord is doing is moving us beyond the repeated cycles of, of hurt and pain and letdown. You know, we've built such an idol around what somebody else done to us. We said Wednesday, there's two types of torments. Torments for not being and a torment for being. You got to choose one. Both of them are torment. Both of them are problem. Going to have a headache being stagnated. You're going to have a headache, gonna have a headache trying to grow. You're going to have a headache trying to obtain. Both of them have issues. So if I'm going to have an issue anyway, try, I might as well make up my mind to grow, right? kingdom economics and we don't talk about this stuff like this and we don't approach the gospel like this because we have yet to believe it like this we trying to hopefully our pastor one day becomes an entrepreneur and start a business and we can jump behind what he's doing and be employed by him and staffed by the church But my blessing has always been by serving the Lord. Without a pay, without a thank you, without a you're doing a good job. It's my service unto him. My reward don't come from man, it comes from heaven. Unfortunately, man is just a byproduct to get it to me. It's kingdom economics. It's a real thing. This is part of the gospel that we have shunned y'all. My challenge to you, you got stuff on your credit report? Your accounts keep going in and out of the negative? Find wisdom. The Lord died for the integrity too. He died for uprightness too. We can't have one without the other. Our bank account needs salvation too. Our credit card scores need salvation too. But when we, when we, when we shun this part, y'all, and we demonize it, we'll never get to be that. I'm a builder. I'm a reviver. And because of it, I get to prosper. I'm just obeying him. And because I obey him, I get to reap the benefits of it. He ain't doing this just to prosper me. He's doing this as a sign to the world that because of salvation, I've done this. And because he believed me, he's tapped into this. And it's the same for you. Same for us. Same for we. Because of his goodness and his mercies, he give us the ability to do it.